Patterson to throw. Steps. Nico Collins. Check out this. This is just beast mode. What a great ball up high for the tall wide receiver. And he's working against the safety. And number six, David Dow is no match at 6-1. And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons, and you know what this is. It's time for the Hurry Up Hot Seat Countdown. We continue and we call to the stand Mr. Tom Fernelli, who is here to defend the great honor of the Michigan Wolverines. Now, Tom, Michigan is at a a place where we've got, as we discussed in the Big Ten East Spring Gleaning, we've got the turnover at quarterback with Shea Patterson gone, year two Josh Gaddis. Uh, But overall, I think... I think we've got some program depth here that I think that we've got a pretty uh, high floor for Michigan at this point in time. What does that high floor look like to you? Like what does realistic bad season look like? First of all, do I get, am I like a Michigan man now for the next 10 minutes? If you do, want, I, do I get yes. to wear that title? All right. Well, I'm going to talk to you with a more serious condescending tone, Chip. <laughs> a disappointing season for Michigan is one in which our players do not improve as men and are not ready to go out into the real world and run the world as a Michigan man is meant to do. That is a disappointment. As for trivial matters such as football. <laughs> A disappointing season, I think it's, you know, it's it's so funny, the narrative, and we've talked about it here. The narrative surrounding Michigan and Jim Harbaugh's tenure is one of failure, for the most part, from a national perspective, simply because, you know, people tend to want to focus on what Jim Harbaugh hasn't done at Michigan. And there are plenty of things that you could look at. I mean, they, they haven't beaten Ohio State. They haven't won their division. They haven't won the Big Ten. And these are all things that when Jim Harbaugh came back to Ann Arbor, those were like, you know, that was the goal. He's coming back. They'd gone through a lot of tough times after, you know, after Lloyd Carr stepped down and they bring in Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. It was, it was bad. And Harbaugh was going to get him back to the promised land. But since they haven't won those national titles or anything like that yet, since they've really struggled against Ohio state, I think it's caused a lot of people to overlook what Harbaugh actually has done done to this program in that in his five seasons they've gone 47 and 18 the seven seasons between him and Carr, they only won 46 games so he won more games in five seasons than they did in the seven before him now that's still not enough because again none of those wins have come against ohio state and until some of them do they're not you're not really going to change the minds of a lot of people who have their minds made up as it is and he has struggled in that they're not beating a lot of the elite teams they've been great at beating up the teams they're supposed to but they haven't really consistently beat the teams that you need to beat to get to that next level that said Harbaugh's teams in 5 seasons have won 10 games in 3 of those 5 seasons which is the first time that Michigan has done that since the 2002-2006 stretch where they did it under Lloyd Carr so I think when we look at what he has accomplished to this point, it has he has drastically raised the floor for what Michigan football is supposed to be. Whereas now, when he took over, like Michigan fans are sitting there like, man, let's get to nine and three and work from there. And now it's if they're not nine if at nine and three, they're kind of disappointed in what they have been, especially if one of those three losses is to Ohio State. Okay. That was a lot of there, there was a lot of state of the program. Uh, but in 2020 specifically, if 
if are, is this a year like where should the expectations be because like you said 9 and 3 is probably disappointing at this point and i would say most people around the country because they don't know what the quarterback's name is and they see all these offensive linemen get drafted in the first round or not the first round but in the nfl draft and they probably would all say 9 and 3 for michigan this year is there any realistic possibility that this is the year that Michigan catches us all slipping and saying, here's a down year for Michigan, but, oh, now that we're not paying attention, here they rise as a potential Big Ten champion? It's possible. I don't think it's likely. But I, I think what makes it possible is that Shea Patterson, when he came as a transfer from Ole Miss, kind of like Harbaugh, there were expectations for what he could be based on you know his like his recruiting rating of like this is a guy oh my god this is this is a dude this is going to be a great player for us and he never really lived up to those expectations and while he was a very efficient quarterback he wasn't really a guy who was going to take them to the next level and win you the big game or make those plays that said he also was playing in a very stodgy vanilla offense for the first part of his time in Michigan and last year when they finally opened things up it took him a bit of time for the entire offense to adjust and then the light kind of flicked on in that loss to Penn State in that second half and they played overall better but I think the one thing that's going to determine what this team does like if Michigan does shock the world while nobody's looking this year and you know it knocks off Ohio State it wins the east it gets to Indianapolis it will be because whoever wins that quarterback competition between McCaffrey and uh Joe Milton that guy will have taken a significant step forward or it's just been somebody who raises the floor and gives them a higher ceiling because they're more of a playmaker than Patterson was. And I think Patterson started showing flashes of that at the end. He just wasn't consistent enough doing it. But as Michigan heads into year two of their offense, where you would hope that while, yeah, they lose four of their five offensive linemen, we can't just simply overlook that and think, Oh no, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. But this is also Michigan and Michigan, if the one thing I've never really had too much concern about with this program is its ability to find offensive linemen and put together competent offensive lines. So it's it's a worry. It's not a huge way, like anchor on my expectations for what this team can do. But overall, if this offense, because, you know, Ronnie Bell's back, Nico Hollins is back, like Donovan Peoples-Jones was the highest rated recruit. He was not the best wide receiver on that team last year. He was like the third or fourth best receiver. Bell and Collins were the two best receivers and they're both back so you keep that thing moving forward year two in a new offense a more explosive offense and you hope that they're able to improve in that aspect and maybe McCaffrey or Milton are better and an improvement on Patterson there's the path to this team being able to win the east now I don't think that is a likely outcome simply because I think that's a lot of things that have to go right and it's it's unrealistic to think everything's going to go right without something going wrong somewhere along the way. And if you look at the schedule, man, there is, you know, they open the year with a road trip to Washington. Well, I real and, quick, can I ask you a specific question about that? Yeah. Okay. Please. Michigan's uh, quarterbacks that we've got, uh, McCaffrey and Milton, uns- I guess Jacob Sermon, but I guess we, we still don't even know what the rest of that goes. Which quarterback, uncertainty at both Michigan and Washington, which quarterbacks would you rather have? Between Michigan and Washington? Yeah. I don't know. It's a very similar situation for me. I think I it's like a question. Yeah, I I I'm gonna guess Michigan here, but 
I think that that's what if if we play that game at the beginning of the season, Michigan and Washington are two teams that in a lot of places on the depth chart look to be in the right spot. I'm going to go slight edge Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a really. I, I I could see that. I feel like it's it's very similar. Personally, I mean, my opinion might be swayed by the fact that I've never, based on what I've seen, I've never been huge on Dylan McCaffrey. I don't have a really high estimation of what he can be. I think to me, Joe Milton is the more enticing player. I think that there's just a lot to like there, although it's it's far from a finished product. But I think if if something clicks there, Milton's a guy who could be a very good quarterback and could be very good for Michigan. But yeah, so they they start the season on the road against Washington, who clearly has its own questions, but still going on the road with a lot of new faces making their first starts or taking on bigger roles for the first time in that environment. That's not going to be easy. But then after, you know, a couple of non-con games, which they should cruise against Ball State and Arkansas State, you get the stretch of schedule where they've got Wisconsin and Ann Arbor. The week after that, Penn State's coming to Ann Arbor. Then after that, while Michigan State is we think is going to be on a somewhat of a downward trend this year. That's still a huge rivalry game and it's still on the road against your in-state rival. And then the week after that, you've got to go on the road against the Minnesota team that Michigan has completely dominated for the most part for like the better part of 25 years, but a Minnesota team that we all expect to be taking, you know, to, or at least be able to maintain that kind of step forward. It took last year. So that's a really difficult stretch early in the year before we get to Ohio state at the end of the season. So I look at this and I feel like nine and three is a disappointing season, but I also think that looking at the schedule, nine and three regular season, a very realistic, you know, outcome for this team. And in fact, based on some of the games that they have to play, maybe in reality we should look at nine and three with all the changes that this team is making at key positions. A nine and three season might be something that, you know, we should be looked at positively, but probably won't be. Return a line the secondary, rework the offensive line. New quarterback, but hey, maybe a better quarterback. Don't know. Running back experience returns. Wide receiver position turns over a little bit, but now it has more of the type of receivers mm-hmm. that Josh Gaddis wants. And linebacker and defensive front is always going to be pretty solid under Don Brown. Uh, just, just saying, could be a team that's being overlooked. Could yeah. be. Yeah, and I think that I think a big key too. I should have mentioned like that defensive front. Like last year, that the interior of their defensive line they got gashed against good, strong teams in the run game. Like we, you remember that Wisconsin game. You remember Ohio State did it to them. Penn State did it to them for a while. You know, they were getting gashed in the run game by a lot of the bigger, stronger teams that they went against. So for me, we need to see an improvement there. Although at defensive end position with Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson, I still think they're very good. They're going to have a very good pass rush. Losing a guy like Josh Uchi hurts, but I still think that with those guys coming back and a dude like Cameron McGrone, who kind of didn't begin the season as a starter stepped in because of injuries and is just a very impressive very quick athlete very quick tackling machine I think that's he's kind of like that hybrid defender that we were seeing more and more of in in defensive football and I think McGrone's got a chance to be a very good player so there are a lot of guys on this roster with very high ceilings and if it clicks yes it's not completely out of the question that this Michigan team might surprise a whole lot of people in 2020. He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli, and he is relieved from the stand. Thank you very much, Tom. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.
Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you want NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies. If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal.